everyone and welcome back to Indicast. Today we are going to talk about Shakespeare's Othello and especially the play's historical context, starting with a depiction of uh, the Elizabethan era and then moving on by giving you more details about Othello. We are first of all going to start by kind of uh, giving you details about Elizabeth I's reign, which lasted from 1558 to 1603, and it was considered to be a period of Mary England in which the Queen Elizabeth I shined over England. It's portrayed in Marcus Guihart's The Younger's Painting, which is called the Rainbow Portrait and was painted in 1600. So Elizabeth I was part of the House of Tudors and was actually the last of them to reign over England. She attempted and succeeded to maintain peace in a country that was previously divided and she also established Protestantism in England, which we are going to talk about right now. Indeed, this reign was a period of liberation from clerical terms, as we can see by the arrival of Protestantism after the separation with the Pope and the Catholic Church. So this branch of Christianism introduced the notion of set destiny in religion, which meant there was no redemption possible. During Elizabeth I's reign, it was especially Anglicanism that was uh, promoted, which is one of the major branches of Protestantism that includes features both from uh, Protestantism and Roman Catholicism. So the Elizabethan era can also be considered as a period of cultural reform. The court used to be entertained while eating, thanks to music or reading poems. And at that time, the poets were very well considered by society. Compared to playwrights, it was actually very well regarded to be a poet. We also need to remember that the society during the Elizabethan era was also extremely hierarchical, which means there was either highbrow or lowbrow depending on your class. Theatre and actors used to kind of uh, adapt themselves to those standards depending on the people it was performed in front of. So if it was performed in front of people from higher classes, there would be jokes about mythological references, but if it was performed in front of people from lower classes, there would be sex jokes or slapstick comedy. In 1580, a new period started, referred to as Fertile England, fertile in terms of the cultural aspect of the era. Theatre began to have a more important place and started to be regarded as less negatively. What was called the Elizabethan Theatre lasted from 1580 to 1630, even after Queen Elizabeth's reign that ended in 1603, and then was replaced by James VI and I, who was King of Scotland and England at the time. At that time, poems were considered to be glorious and they were put forward, especially epic poems that included moral values and a notion of purity. As an example, The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer was a really long poem that was uh, made for Elizabeth I and was really enjoyed at that time. Unfortunately, people did not have a high esteem of playwrights who were considered as vagrants, wanderers or even criminals. They were said to be idle, but thanks to Elizabeth I, in 1572, the law considered playwrights to have a real job, and in 1581, they had the right to commerce, which is the right to sell places for the plays. In 1582, they were said to have a profession, and in 1583, they were even granted a status in the society. Before Shakespeare began to write plays, only three types of plays existed, miracle, mystery, and morality plays. The miracle plays presented a real or fictitious account of a life, miracles, or martyrdom of a saint. The mystery plays were performed on platforms or cart 
then moved around the city to various stations where the audience gathered, and the biblical scenes that made up the mystery play were staged by the various guilds. And last but not least was the morality play. Um, so it was a story between good and evil, referring to the Bible, and the characters' names were good, evil, or vice. Vice meaning the ultimate villain. So, for example, Iago Inocello, which showed that Shakespeare got inspiration from the theatrical context of the time. Philosophical ideas of the time sometimes contradicted Shakespeare's views and beliefs. For example, we can cite Machiavel's The Prince, which was a political treatise written in the 16th century, telling the story of a prince who had to be immoral and demeaning so that he could avoid war. As theater was becoming more and more popular, more and more people began to perform Shakespeare's plays, such as students from Oxford or Cambridge universities. And this was the period when the great tragedies were written, and by great tragedies, I mean Hamlet, King Lear, Othello, and Macbeth. And Shakespeare was very inspired by all that was happening during his life, and that's what makes the genius of his plays, really, because he was able to take a little bit of everything and incorporate them into his works. Moving on, we are going to show how London was a great place for artists, and especially playwrights, as in 1603 there was already eight theatres in London, already more than in other countries like France. Twenty years later, in 1623, there were already more than 30 theatres in London, when other cities like Paris only had a few. According to a study that was made at the time, in 1590, already 10% of the Londonian population went to the theatre each week. What attracted them was that plays were diverse and included humour for all classes. There were various degrees of sophistication that went from highbrow to lowbrow and really included different humour but also different language. Also, intimacy did not seem to matter that much for people as some of them had sex in corners or could even book a room in the theatre to do it. One of the theatres that was established at the time was Shakespeare's Theatre, which is called The Globe, it could welcome more than 2,500 people and had a proscenium, which is a round stage. There were different price tickets for several social stratums, and with the time, it became more and more popular. The use of language in theatrical devices is very important in Shakespeare plays. He makes use of various devices, such as musicality, windows, play on words, puns, metaphors, similes, and by doing that, he glorifies the English language and even opens it to external influences, like astronomy, astrology, and mythology. One more thing not to forget about is also the uses of thou and you, and both were not used at the same time and were used for very special situations. You was used for people that you respected, that were from a higher social class than you, and thou was used for people who knew you or were inferior to you, and you even referred to God as thou, as there was no interference from intermediary religious figures, like priests, and people had a direct relationship with them. Othello, that was written in 1603, was written during a mix of the Elizabethan and the Jacobian era, as Elizabeth I had just passed, but there were still legacies from her reign, and this play also celebrated the arrival of James I as King of England. This is why this play openly capitalized on James I's interests. 
This is why it exploits the theme of rightful authority and the danger of usurping forces, bringing us back to Machiavel's portrait of the Adele Prince and the massacre of San Bartholomew's Day. But James I also enjoyed talking about the victory of the Venetians over the Turks, which is kind of a symbol for the victory of Christianism over Islam at Lepanto in 1572. This victory of the Holy League that was part of the causes for the deterioration of the Ottoman Empire is openly talked about in Othello. In 1603, there was a plague outbreak. London was under lockdown and the theatres were closed from March 1603 to April 1604. That's the time when William Shakespeare wrote Othello. And by the way, Othello was performed in front of King James I a few months after the theatres reopened in London. It is also interesting to analyse how blackness was introduced in Othello, as at that time black men were perceived as driven by passion and people who would engage in sexual intercourse. Black women, on the opposite side, would be phantasms and a courtly fascination for erotica would originate from them. In Act 1, Scene 1 in Othello, Rodrigo depicts the main character as an extravagant and wheeling stranger of here and everywhere. This introduces the main character as someone who is out of his place and wandering aimlessly and who has no home, making him a threat. The word more is often used in a play and it was a word that was actually flexible in its application. It came from the Greek and could mean either dark and obscure or dull and stupid and it had a strong link with racial category or geographical affiliation. A quote that will summarize all of this well is, quote, There is therefore no single explanatory template to which audiences could automatically refer in their response to a black moor. A question remains as to whether Othello does not in some way solicit the audience's complicity in the very prejudices it appears to confirm. To conclude today's episode, we'll leave an open question that you can think about. How did Shakespeare become literate and how could he be so cultivated as he came from a low background? And that can maybe bring up new questions or interesting conversations for a future podcast, perhaps. Who knows? <laughs> okay, hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'll see you next Sunday. Bye!